the Bible Study Podcast, Episode 66. This is the 15th episode in a series on the Book of Romans I'm titling Christianity 101. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast and to this study on the Book of Romans. We continue this particular series with Romans 13, and I'll just jump right in today. Paul writes, Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, he who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear from the one in authority? Then do what is right, and he will commend you. For he is God's servant to do you good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword for nothing. He is God's servant, an agent of wrath, to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of the possible punishment, but also because of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants, who give their full time to governing. Give everyone what you owe him. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. This is a section of the Bible here in Romans that is generally seems fairly straightforward. And in most everyday situations, I think most people have no problem with it. But it has pushed the bounds of our understanding of what it means to be a Christian at times. And so let's look at this in a little more detail. Paul basically says authority is God-given and that governments are an agent of God. And in general, we would understand that to be an agent of God for order and for justice and those sort of things. And certainly the government that I live under, I think that is generally the case. And yet there would be some people even in this administration, for instance, who might have trouble submitting to this administration or who the previous administration in the U.S. might have trouble with that because of political differences. And But Paul is saying, okay, hang on a second here, authority is God-given. So let's talk about when we've had trouble with these verses historically in the church. Some have certainly had problems when this set of verses fed into an understanding of the divine right of kings. So, for instance, in the American Revolution, was it wrong for us to declare independence from a king who is a God-given authority? That was certainly part of the debate at the time, and some would say even to this day that having freed ourselves from that authority, we have developed a streak in the consciousness of the U.S. that is counter-authority that may be a byproduct of that that may not be good. These then also would be the verses that Dietrich Bonhoeffer, for instance, or the church that was under the thumb of Nazi Germany had to deal with. If all authority is God-given, is there ever a time when it is okay to oppose the government? And in that case, to oppose actually to get to the point of deciding to support an effort to assassinate the leader of the government. 
that's a tough place to go, and certainly some place that Christians shouldn't go easily, because Paul says all authority is God-given. And that's something that the theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who is a German pastor, wrestled with because he knew these verses of Paul and had to decide at some point, is there a point at which other verses in the Bible having to do God's love of justice, for instance, are a theme that is sufficiently important that these words should be overruled. He decided at some point that Hitler was a mad dog running loose in the streets, and that what you did with the mad dog was you you trapped it and you killed it. But before we give ourselves an easy way out, because it's easy for us to say, well, sure, I'll support authority up to a point, let's think about the authority that Paul meant. As Paul is writing this, my understanding would be that the Caesar who is in charge of Rome is Nero. Now, the church would not yet, probably at the time that he is writing this, be under Roman persecution, but it would come from persecution under Nero, is the first time that Christianity becomes illegal. Before that, it is treated as a sect of Judaism, which is a legal religion within the Roman Empire. But at some point, it gets recognized as being something separate, and therefore not legal and especially as Christians oppose some of the policies of Rome, or as Nero looks for a scapegoat for this fire that happens that burns down the city of Rome. And Nero becomes a dictator who eventually has Paul killed, probably Peter, and takes Christians and makes them torches at his dinner parties. This is the person who's in charge of the government that Paul says is an instrument of God. Now, granted, he hasn't done all of those things yet at the time that Paul is writing this letter, but it at least has to give us pause, because certainly the qualities of Nero, many of them were already known by the time that Paul is writing this. So it isn't like Paul is writing this because he is under a benevolent ruler who has everyone's respect. And so we have to understand that there is a value in government, that there is a value in submission, and that it may at some times be to our detriment to submit to government. So Paul does eventually submit to Rome's authority, and he dies under it. And so this is an issue, I think, that I'm not going to try and solve for you. The question of when it is right to submit to authority and when it is right to oppose it, and by what means. But at least I wanted to give you pause with the emphasis that Paul places on these words about submitting to the authorities. Continuing on in chapter 13, Paul takes on a different theme Let no debt remain outstanding, except for the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. The commandments do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet, and whatever other commandment there may be are summed up in this one rule, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to its neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. 
And so Paul here at this point says, over all this, remember love. All of those commandments are practical things that would get in the way of love or that would show a state of lack of love. That basically, if we do the positive instead, if we love our neighbor as ourselves, we wouldn't need all of the rest of those commandments. And do this, he says, understanding the present time. The hour has come to you to wake up from your slumber, because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believe. The night is nearly over, the day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in orgies or drunkenness, not in sexual immorality or debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ, and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. There is some debate about when the early church believed that Jesus would come again, because there seems to be evidence in the scriptures that they thought it would be sooner rather than later. The last verses, for instance, of the Gospel of John, Peter says to Jesus, and what about this guy pointing to John? And Jesus says, if it is my will that he should remain until I come again, what is that to you? And John points out that he didn't say that John would remain until he came again, but it was a common understanding, John tells us, that people believed that Jesus had said that John would live until Jesus came again, which would put Jesus coming within a generation Now, obviously that didn't happen, but the word that Paul says are still true. Our salvation is nearer now than when we believe. It's nearer now today than it was yesterday. That time is coming closer, and Paul wants us to have this sense of urgency that understands that our days are limited. For some of us, today or tomorrow or Judgment Day, in the sense that for some of us, today or tomorrow will be the last chance for us to get this life right because we'll walk into traffic and that will be that. And so it's important to have, Paul is telling us, this understanding that the night is nearly over, the day is almost here. And so he encourages, and remember he's writing this to the church, he encourages people to stop their orgies and drunkenness, their sexual immorality and their debauchery. Those may be a little surprising since he's writing to Christians, but Christians don't immediately become perfect when they become Christians, and they're coming out of a society where those things are common and normal. That is a hedonistic society, and so Paul is saying, but you instead don't be involved in dissension and jealousy and all of these other things. Clothe yourselves with Jesus. Don't think about how to gratify the desires of your sinful nature. All three sections here in this chapter have to do with submitting. Submitting to authority, submitting submitting to others, putting others' needs ahead of ourselves, which is what love is. Right? That don't murder, don't steal, don't covet you won't have to worry about those if you're putting other people's needs first. And then this last section, basically, we're submitting to the authority of God over our urges and needs and desires. With that, we'll bring this episode of the Bible Study Podcast to a close. If you have any questions, feel free to send them to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com or leave a comment at thebiblestudypodcast.com. And as always, thanks so much for listening. 
I'm Billy Yancey, entrepreneur, fitness cowboy, father, retired Navy cornerback, and now podcast host. Listen to my new show, Billy and the Goat, on Life Audio. Happy listening.